I need to welcome any visitors here today. I know we have Bree Coleman over here. Good to have you, Bree, with us. And anyone else, Hema, good to have you again. Good to see you again, second time in a long time. Anybody else? Yes, Bill? Yeah, Fran's been here a few times, but we can say hi to Fran a whole lot. We love Fran. Bless you, Fran. Anybody else? Okay. Well, this is fun saying hi to everyone. Let's say hi to the Skeltons and hi to the Schneiders and the Comers and the Thomases. Praise the Lord. Hi, Marion. Good morning. She did a great job, didn't she? She's always Miss Faithful. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to start out with an apology. Um, two weeks ago, we're, as we're looking into this study in Ephesians, uh, two weeks ago, I shared on Ephesians 4, uh, verse 25, just that one verse. And it had to do with lying and telling the truth. And uh, after I had shared that, I mean, I got a bit specific in regards to uh, situations and denominations that are experiencing the battle with truth. Anyway, I ended up getting the spirit of intimidation attacking me throughout that week, and I just felt reserved to not put that message on the recorded media of the senior adults. And the Lord said, what are you doing? Are you ashamed of the truth? The truth sets free. The truth makes free. So I want to apologize. That will be up. And I thought it was interesting that someone from another ABF was with some of you that talked about that particular message about lying. And they said, we've been going every day on the website and haven't seen it on there yet. And I just went, oh, oh. So anyway, that's my little apology for this morning. Turn with me, if you would, into the book of Ephesians. There it is. There we are. Thank you very much. Poor old thing. This might help. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4. I want to look at verses 26 through 28. 26 and 27 is what Janet ministered on last week. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let's pray again. Lord, we're just so grateful for the guidance and the light and the truth and the way that you give us in your word. Lord, we're just so thankful that your word is written. It is written. And Lord, we just want to thank you for all of those of old that, that labored, making every letter perfect. And how it's been handed down from generation to generation to generation. And now we still get to benefit from your eternal word that's been written. 
Now, Lord, we just pray that this morning you'd write it in our hearts, not just on pages or tablets or whatever we do to look at your word. We pray that there'd be a fresh script written on our hearts today. And Lord, again, as I blow the shofar, I pray that we would hear your voice from heaven in a very clear and distinct way. Lord, Paul focused on these particular sins in the most mature church throughout all of Asia, the church of Ephesus. And the spirit of the Lord spoke to Paul and tucked, tugged on his heart. These are sins you need to specifically mention with these mature believers. Lying, unrighteous anger, stealing, and Lord, we'll look at more next week and the weeks coming. But Lord, we pray you would have your Holy Spirit work in us in this word penetrating deep into our souls. So Lord, come and speak to us clearly as we search the word. And may you search our hearts at the same time. Speak now, Lord, we pray. Your bondservants are listening. Amen. As I said that uh, Janet shared last week that the devil looks for opportunities to get a foothold in our lives through anger. Wow. It, we still battle with that. And then in verse 27, Paul Mention, don't give the devil a place. Don't give him a room. Don't give him opportunity to accuse or to attack us. And in the Ten Commandments, the Eighth Commandment is real simple. Thou shalt not steal. Hmm. Stealing and lying are common ways in which we as believers grieve the Holy Spirit within us. And Paul is warning against breaking this commandment concerning stealing because we, like the Ephesians, are often tempted in this area. And many believers are an easy prey in this vast area of sinning. Now, the Greek word for steal used here does not suggest a professional crook. This is not the safe crackers. No. Paul's giving a broader approach because stealing with this implication of this Greek word, it includes every kind of cheating, every kind of deceit, dishonesty and fraud. Theft and dishonesty have become commonplace, unfortunately, in our culture today. We're now in a tax season. Hmm. And there's temptation to cheat on taxes, and it's an enormous problem, not only throughout America, this is a global problem. It amazed me, the years that we lived in Israel, the government anticipates all of its citizens to cheat on their taxes. 
So they raise the tax rate because they're anticipating cheating. And that's the Holy Land. <sighs> you know, even in our national news networks, they've been tempted to be deceitful. I want to give you an example. There's an integrity watchdog organization called The Verge. And they discovered several years ago that TV networks had figured out how to deceive the Nielsen ratings system. Now, how many of you ever heard of Nielsen rating system? Yeah. I didn't see any of the young hands go up. <laughs> it's the system by which they rate. They have a way to be able to know how many viewers there are at a particular time and that's going to determine the rate of advertising that people are going to pay to advertise on the networks. The higher the rating, the more you pay. It's called the Nielsen rating system. Well, it's as easy as playing dumb, literally. That's what The Verge discovered. On days when programmers know that their viewership is going to drop like on holidays or weekends or the competing channels for the Super Bowl today. They have found a way that they accidentally misspell their show's name on the Nielsen lineup. And the Wall Street Journal discovered this as well, and they did a write-up about the very same thing. Over the Friday of Memorial Weekend, for example, NBC aired the NBC Nightly News. But here's how they spelled nightly, N-I-T-L-Y. Mm -hmm. Just drop a little letter here. Well, what happened in doing this, huh, their holiday drop in viewership did not affect their right standing, their rating standing. So Nielsen's automated system counted that misspelled show as an entirely different program. And by doing this, NBC managed to actually gain ratings against its main competitor, ABC World News Tonight. Resulting in NBC, which had lower ratings, got higher ratings. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Amen. Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.10. But you know, NBC apparently misspelled its show 14 times just that first year from 2016 to 2017. But you know, they're not the only network to do this. Just last season, NBC, ABC did so seven times by spelling their world news, ABC World News Tonight by W-R-L-D. They just dropped one letter. Simple. While CBS replaced the CBS Evening News with CBS Evening NWS 14 times. Uh, excuse me, 12 times. Friends, you know, plain dumb is one way to get around the rules. And it's a pretty effective one, especially if you're attempting to get Nielsen ratings and to have your ratings go up. But you know, it's not so effective if you're 
attempting to get around God's rating. His rating system sees everything. Jesus said, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Luke 8, 17. God knows us. He knows us. He knows our name. And misspelling it won't help. (laughs) It won't help at all. And for every man or woman in Christ, all deception and stealing must stop. Paul continues in verse 28 by saying, rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So he's saying, do something productive, is what Paul is encouraging. Then you're going to be in a position to help those that are worse off than yourself. And notice what Paul is saying here in verse 28. The first motive for a believer, hear this, in earning money is to work hard so that you can give to the needy. That's the first motive. Not so that you can collect more material luxuries for yourself. You know, something happened happened last year that reminded Americans that good people, good people can easily get caught up in dishonesty in the spirit of this age. One of America's biggest news stories of 2020 involved a college admissions scam that included several high-profile people, including at least two Hollywood actresses. And one of the actresses was one of my favorite stars on the Hallmark Channel. And I see a lot of smiles. I mean, I was was hurt. I was grieved. Uh, I was in denial for a while. That can't be. Not, Not her. But a California man spearheaded a scheme to bribe coaches and administrators at prestigious colleges and universities like Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Georgetown, USC, and others. And the bribes brought privileged high school students extra time to take the SAT and the ACT college entrance exams. Also to make fake athletic profiles and hire substitutes to even take their entrance exams. That never happened in our day. There was a monitor and the teacher, and they knew everyone who was in the room. I don't know what they're doing today. How could they even get away with it? Have someone else go in and do That's where we're at. Hmm. Well, this exposure resulted in large monetary fines and time behind bars. You know, honestly... This new item, it it really saddened me because these were good people. These are good people that just went along with the spirit of the age. That's the spirit that we're living in, is dishonesty, lie, cheat, unrighteous anger. It's everywhere. You know, one commentary that came about this particular thing with the, uh, with the college admission scam. They observed that there was a bit of irony and hypocrisy in all of this, and we feel outraged 
at this glaring lack of honesty and ethics. But you know, students who attend these and other universities for years, for years have been taught there is no such thing as absolute truth and an objective standard of right or wrong. Whatever is truth to you, go and do it. Absolute truth has been attacked. We're in a world today that everyone is doing that which is right in their own eyes, just like it was in the days of Judges. So should we really be surprised when people live out their implications of their worldview? Remove the plumb line of the eternal standard of truth, the Bible, and anything goes. For centuries, the word of God has been appropriately called the Holy Bible. Now, I have a more modern translation here, the New King James. It removed the word holy. It only, no, it didn't. Oh, man, I need to look at it more often. It says Holy Bible. It's not that old. Hallelujah. The Holy Bible. But you remember when it used to say the Holy Bible on the front page? So, the, yeah, I, a couple of you have held yours up. It kind of moved it to the side. It's the spirit of this age that is looking to come compromise. Don't be that blatant. But you know, it's only this holy book that lays down the ethical code that is universal and logical. Its rules are blind to nationality, economic status, gender, or age. And you know what? This book knows no favoritism. That's why it's holy. And it levels the playing field by placing greater expectations on those who know it better than others. Jesus said these penetrating words in Luke 12, 47 and 48. Jesus said, and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Yeah, I agree, Tim. Hmm. I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound fun. Verse 48, but he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to him, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. So our challenge today is to live lives of consistent Honesty. We're challenged to that. It's a challenge today. Showing forth the benefits that come from respecting and adhering to God's standards. In the Sermon on the Mount, you know what Jesus calls this? Simply being salt and light. That's what he said. And you know, with that thought in mind, I want to just share another little story. There was a customer that ate at a diner in Grand Junction, Colorado. And 
the customer accidentally left a bank envelope that they had just come from the bank into the coffee shop, into the diner, and left it at his booth with $3,000 cash withdrawal inside the envelope. Fortunately, his busboy was named Johnny Duckworth. And Johnny immediately gave that envelope to his boss, who looked inside the envelope and saw that there was an ATM slip. So without a lot of trouble, he tracked down the rightful owner. And that unnamed person who owned the envelope ended up giving Johnny a $300 tip for his honesty. But the strangers that heard about this, this story went out throughout Grand Junction, Colorado. People immediately started a GoFundMe for Johnny Duckworth. He was a struggling young man, but they were impressed with his honesty. To this date, they have raised over $4,000 for Johnny Duckworth. A lot more than worth stealing would have gotten him. And in an interview, Johnny said, not for a moment, not for a moment did he consider keeping the money. He added, he said, listen, I work for a living. Now, most likely you and I have not had honesty pay that well for us. At least not financially. But you know, the age-old saying is still true. Honesty always pays. Always. Always. But how? How does honesty pay? Well, in reputation. Honesty builds businesses. It builds friendships. It builds leadership. It builds families. It strengthens marriages and builds covenant relationships. Honesty pays off in reputation. It also pays off in relationships. People trust you and are closer to you when you're honest with them. And the opposite is also true. People are going to keep an emotional distance from us if we are dishonest. Ephesians 4.25. Honesty pays off in reputation, in relationships, in righteousness. Your character is built through dedication to unconditional truthfulness. It pays off in reliability. Proverbs 12, 19 says, who will people come to, lean on, and go to when things get tough? The honest. They know where they stand with such a person. That's Proverbs 12, 19. And lastly, it pays off in reputation, in relationships, in righteousness, in reliability, and in respect. While you may fear hurt feelings and alienating others through courageous honesty, you will gain admiration from most everyone through transparency and honest living. I have to believe that the people in Grand Junction, a whole lot of those people were just good people that saw a real good act and wanted to be a part of blessing it. And you know, I don't know, but I'll bet that Johnny Ducksworth was one of the most liked and talked about people in that community. 
Honesty earned him a good name because he didn't steal that $3,000. Friends, honesty always brings a blessing. Always. But there's one thing very sad about this story, as great as it is about Johnny Duckworth. What's sad is that doing the right thing in America was once routine. I mean, I'm with the treasure of this congregation here. I remember when I was little, we never locked the front door of our house. We could leave the keys in the car. Honesty was routine. Now it, it merits nationwide coverage. I pray that the tribe of Johnny Ducksworth will increase. When we as lovers of Jesus are renowned for our kind honesty, for our hard work, for our generosity, we're going to draw a world in search of goodness and trustworthiness to the one who cannot lie and will never steal. We can't keep others from being cheaters, from being liars, or from being thieves, but we can show them through our lives a powerful alternative. We can be the salt and we can be the light of the world. So let's allow the Holy Spirit this morning to do some heart searching. I felt the Lord wanted me to just have the message a little shorter so that he could have a bit more time to do what he does best. And what he does marvelous is convict. He has the ministry of conviction. And the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will give, he will convict everyone in the world concerning three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. So I want you just, right where you are, please just close your eyes right now. We're going to do some heart examination. Actually, this is what we're told to do every time we have communion. Every time we have communion with the Lord, it says, let each one examine themselves. So Holy Spirit, would you please reveal to each of us any type of stealing Lord, we don't even like to say that word, but any type of stealing that might be in our hearts this morning. And Lord, we know that most people view stealing as taking something that belongs to others, but can also mean keeping something that God wants us to give away, like forgiveness or blessing or being a good neighbor, all of which deprives others of the enjoyment of a richer life greater love, and a genuine Christian witness lived in community. But Holy Spirit, we want you to, to take your liberty today and to really search our hearts, God, deeply, Lord. You're the only one that has that type of penetrating power. 
And Lord, you started asking me some questions this week. Have you passed off anything that was possibly stolen? What about passing off something as your own that was really not yours? What about pilfering? Taking big or small things from employers or companies that you've worked for? <laughs> Lord convicted me this week. I can, he showed me, brought back to my memory I used to take home rolls of toilet paper from a place that I worked. Um, and I, I kind of chuckled about it, but I, then I felt, I felt God's anguish about that thing. God searches us deeply. Man, I, I had to repent and just ask forgiveness. I don't even live in that city anymore. How could I give him toilet paper back? I, the Lord's looking for repentant hearts. I think that we just justify stealing too easily. How about an idea that was not ours and yet it was shared as though it was? Stealing ideas, someone's reputation through slander. Stealing time from your company. Stealing someone's joy or hope through negative words. What about stealing the show? Or stealing someone's thunder by winning praise or honor for yourself by preempting someone else's attempt to impress? or robbery, or shoplifting, or pickpocketing, or embezzling. Oh, Lord God, stealing is such a big thing in our day. Lord, we want to present to you clean hands and pure hearts. That's what David was longing for when he wrote Psalm 19. When he wrote Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, O God. Lord, we need that today. We need that today. And Lord, all you're looking for is an acknowledgement that the Holy Spirit has been able to communicate. And if he has brought any area of conviction in any way, with all of our eyes still closed, this is only to the Lord. I'm not looking either. Would you just put your hand up signifying to the Holy Spirit that you've heard him say something to you this morning? And Lord, you're the only one that's looking down on the hands raised right now. And Lord, we just pray you'd forgive us. God, forgive us our trespasses. Lord, we're in need of forgiveness. We're in need of healing. Some patterns of sin not only need confession, they need healing. 
No wonder James wrote in James 5, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Some sinful patterns need both forgiveness, but they also need lots of healing. Lord, if there's been any pattern of stealing, we pray that not only would it be confessed today, that you would really begin a healing process. Our Father, we just, we pray this morning that you would not only forgive us, but you would heal us from all these things that have grieved your heart. Oh, Lord, our most high God, would you cleanse us from all unrighteousness today? Would you give us today fresh grace, fresh grace to walk differently from this day forward? Lord, we want you to change us. Please, almighty God, change us. Our ultimate destiny in this world is to become just like our King Jesus to be transformed and to be conformed into his image in every area of life. And Lord, we've missed it. So cleanse us, change us, transform us to make us more like Jesus. Because Jesus resisted temptation to lie, to have unrighteous anger, and as we've looked at this morning, he resisted the temptation for stealing in every area. Jesus, make us like that. Only you, by your Holy Spirit, can do that deep of a work that can change us forever. Bring this to pass, Lord, I pray. To the lifting up to the edification, to the glory of the name of God expressed in Jesus that is written in our lives. Grant this request, we pray. Amen. Amen. Anyone want to share anything? Got him. Um, Reuben mentioned just even the little things that we do that we, you know, realize they're not right. Um, I just, he brought back a memory that I had my father uh, when I was probably 10 or 12 years old. Uh, we used to travel a lot to Mexico, and we would actually drive down from Dallas. We'd stop at uh, at that um, Young Bloods Chicken Place over here. Do you remember that? And uh, sometimes we'd eat at a Luby's cafeteria. Anyway, I think we were we ate at a Luby's here in Waco, and um, and he went to pay. And when he paid, he just took the money, put it in his pocket, and didn't think about it. We got way down the road toward Laredo. And uh, he pulled out the money and said, oh, my goodness, 
they overpaid me by $3.25. And we were traveling around Mexico for almost a month. And on the way back, he said, I got to stop in Waco. I got to go back in and pay them. And he went back in that restaurant, went to the cashier, pulled out $3.25. And the lady's jaw just dropped like nobody does that. <laughs> and, you know, that I was real young. But I, I remember that so well that my father had that integrity that he did not forget. It seemed like a very small thing. Most people would say, oh, blow it away. They're making plenty of money, no big deal. But he had the integrity to go back in and, and give that money back, and I just remembered that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I, as Tim brought up that story, I, uh, I can remember... In, in younger years before I was a believer and some of that even carried over in my believing life that if I was in a big store, a big company, a big name and I just saw myself so little that if they gave me 58 cents too much I went, praise the Lord and I didn't say that then I would just go, hey, alright well, I need it more than they do I, hey, that's, that's the spirit of the age it really is how one act of honesty he's remembered for a few years. Quite a few years. Anyone else? Uh, we're ending a bit early this morning. Anyone else want to share anything? Yes. The age of reason is when we can start determining right from wrong. Go ahead, Marianne. Uh, so, so those that have problems hearing can hear it. Uh, uh, how many years ago was that? A couple of years ago, we were with our grandchildren and our kids, and we went to eat at the Baylor Club. And I looked down on the street, and I said, "Oh, look at that! Is that a that is that a a real one hundred dollar bill?" <laughs> and picked it up, and it was a one hundred dollar bill outside the Baylor. I mean, outside in the parking lot. I mean, you know, on the street. And so I told the kids, I said, "Well, you know what? We need to take this back." So we went inside, and I went up to the front desk and I, I gave it to them and they said, oh, we are so glad one of the uh, waitresses had just gotten her tips and she had lost them. And so we were able, I, I imagine we said something about the Lord or whatever, but it was also a learning experience for our grandkids. You know, a story that's, it'll last 
with me the rest of my days. There is a training of righteousness that parents have a responsibility to do with their children. And uh, I remember when um, I had my best friend and his sister were in the car. The four of us were in the back seat. Mom and dad were in the front seat. And uh, we had gone shopping uh, and we're on our way home. And my dad said, hey, I need a pair of shoelaces, black shoelaces to go with his nice police black shoes. Um, uh, so run in there, pick me up a pair of black shoelaces and bring me back all the change. Yes, Dad. Well, I went on in there. They were, I, I, they were 20 cents and one penny tax. And I had four pennies left. <laughs> and do you know that in shoe stores, they have about 15 gumball machines? <laughs> well, I saw this one, and I knew it. It was one of my favorites. They were the Pop-Tart type. They were the tarty type of. And I just went, oh, yeah. And here's the four pennies. So, man, I got the four. It's going to be for me, my sister, and, and my best friend and his sister. So I got back in the car, and I gave my dad the the shoelaces, and he goes, thanks, son. Was there any change? I said, well, it was, it was only four cents. He said, okay, can I have it? <laughs> so I reached over and showed him the four gumballs. <laughs> and he said, that doesn't look like pennies. I said, uh, well, Dad, uh, would you like a gumball? <laughs> he said, no, you better and really enjoy it because you have something waiting for you when you get home. <laughs> now, we're in the car. We're driving back home, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking, no, my mom's in the car and the best friend and this and that. So, uh, I mean, I was probably... 10, 11, my thought was, Mom, <laughs> can Bob and Cindy come over for lunch today? I don't know. You'll have to ask your father. Father? <laughs> you know, every other time it's, hey, Dad. Father? <laughs> can they come over? Sure, that's fine with me. I went, all right. Well, we got home, and I thought, this is going to all be get brushed away. We're sitting in the living room, and my dad goes in the back. He goes, Mr. Ross, come back here. I went, oh, no. He brought me into the bathroom. He said, how many pennies were there? Four. He says, then that's how many you're getting. Yeah. I tell you, it would, took everything in me to not cry because I knew I'd have to walk out humbly and everyone had their faces down. But that public discipline was needed because I sinned publicly. I stole my dad's four pennies and bought a gumball. I'm so thankful for that life lesson. I'm so thankful he spanked me. 
We need to be that sensitive to the things of God because Father God is watching. The difference is, is that Father God won't wait till we get home in the living room and call us back. He'll wait to the right season. And he has, he's a God of discipline. He's a great father. Despise not the discipline of the Lord or the chastening of the Lord in some translations. How many of you have known that God has sometimes has brought you to the woodshed to exercise some discipline in your life? Now, for all of you who did not raise your hand, I want to say the Lord is a good father. Now, your dad may not have done that, but your heavenly father has his own creative way to bring correction. He's masterful at it because he's the great good father. He's perfect in every way. He's not like earthly fathers. Now, earthly fathers can have some imitation of like godliness and, and like father God. But he's perfect in every way. And he's in the process of training you and I to become just like his model son. His perfect son. Who resisted every temptation to steal. And that's how we're being transformed into his image and likeness. What a great God we serve. All right, you're dismissed. Go and have a great rest of the day with the Lord. And don't steal anything. <laughs> <laughs>